What the Fertility Season 2. Today, we're sitting down with Amanda. Amanda has a unique perspective of going through reoccurrent miscarriages as a therapist and really wants to speak on how it impacted her own mental health. Amanda also hopes to share some resources with listeners on how she coped with grief and anxiety through her own fertility journey. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, thank you for having me. We're so excited excited. to have you. I know, especially because also, and I'm, I think I've shared this before on our podcast, but I also am a licensed therapist, which no longer working as, but, um, I think it'll be so fun to be able to talk to someone else with similar, you know, mindset and everything, what we went through. So I'm so excited you're here. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I definitely think it's such a unique, um, such nothing going through grad school or, you know, licensure, any of that prepares you for infertility and loss. So it's been, it's been a unique journey. I can definitely say that. So you've had your practice, um, I'm assuming prior to your fertility struggles, right? Yeah. Just a little background. I, um, I worked in like a few community agencies through grad school. And then um, right after I graduated, I worked at a school for at-risk adolescent girls um, for a while, Um, did in-home counseling for a little bit. Uh, That was challenging and um, worked at like a youth shelter, also challenging. And finally, so I hit kind of my like community agency breaking point and started my private practice in 2017. So I had that already for two years by the time I got married. And then um, the year after, well, the year, yeah, like the summer after we got married, I studied for licensure and got licensed. Um, And so yeah, it's been over five years now that I've been in private practice. That's awesome. And it sounds like your background, you like kind of geared more towards like youth, adolescent, children, like that's awesome. Yeah. Well, and then, I mean, I've always wanted, I've, I've loved working with teens and young women. I work with a lot of, um, I'm located in Orlando, so um, right near UCF's campus. So I work a lot with like college students, young adult women. Um, and then through all of this experience, I've really wanted to, um, start to kind of also gear my practice towards um, women and and folks going through infertility and loss and use my experience to to help those um, who struggle with this as well. And um, so since then I've um, taken, because I'm also a yoga teacher. um, So I do like to incorporate like yoga and mindfulness in my practice. And um, so I have prenatal yoga teacher training now. And I also have um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorder um, uh, training through um, postpartum support. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. I am so interested to kind of get into this because like as myself going through, you know, miscarriages, I tried like six or seven therapists and I just like never felt like they got it. Like some of the advice was just so awful. Like, well, have you had a good cry? I mean, that's literally what someone said to me. Oh and I was like, okay, well, like, what if I'm not the crying type? Like that doesn't really do yeah, much for not me. work for you. Yeah. yeah. So I'm super like, I think that's right. such, oh my gosh, that's so beneficial that you've had. I mean, not to wish yeah. that journey on you, but let's go ahead yeah. and jump in kind yeah. of bring your journey You're first. Yeah. How you walk through that. Yeah. So, um, ironic that we're doing this in December actually, because December is a big month. I feel like for, um, my story, my husband and I got married in April, 2019, and we decided to like basically 
great around the holidays. I got my, um, I had the arm implant birth control, <laughs> maybe TMI. I don't know. How no, much. no, no, it's perfect. TMI happens on here. Um, but I got that removed like the week after Christmas. And so we were, you know, ready. I was, um, I don't know, typical, naive, like, all right, let's buy some lingerie. Let's take some trips. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. the damn thing. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to be this exciting process. Um, but, um, yeah, I quickly found out that that was not the case. I mean, so for me, um, kind of similar to you, Catherine, like it, it wasn't always necessarily difficult to get pregnant. Um, we actually, um, got pregnant a few months after starting to try. Um, so in March of 2020, I found out I was pregnant for the first time. Um, Pretty much basically the weekend the world shut down was when um, I I realized that Monday morning I hadn't gotten my period because, you know, in true naive to infertility and loss fashion, I wasn't necessarily strictly tracking things. I was just like, oh, right. My period, I should probably take a test. Um, I missed that. (laughs) I know. A lot. Um, and, um, and sure enough, it was positive. So we basically spent the next month in lockdown, just loving life. Uh, you know, it was my first pregnancy. So the OB didn't have me coming in until like seven or eight weeks. Um, so we were just going about, you know, um, I remember we made like a cute little fort with a um, in our living room, and you know, it was just like it was such a magical time to me. It was really hard being away from my family; they live about two hours away. Um, but we, I ordered these cute little onesies off of Etsy that said like "promoted from dog grandparent to human grandparent," and we had a Zoom and on Easter and announced to them and it was just one of the most magical moments um but unfortunately when I went to that first scan alone because it was during the pandemic um you know it didn't show what it needed to show but I was again pretty naive at this point and and so when they said you know I had to meet with my doctor uh, and the lady was completely silent in the um ultrasound I just was you know we still had hope they told me to come back in a week that I just was measuring at like closer to six weeks um but I had had such intense morning sickness and everything like I you know I had had something yeah you don't think no as I say you don't think that you're gonna be the one that doesn't at all not your first time no and and not to and like I guess I think going into it you kind of expect you you don't necessarily expect miss miscarriages like you hear more about I'm uh, something something yeah exactly and so like when I hadn't had any of that I had had morning sickness I just was not no you know I had anxiety but I didn't have like I knew something could go wrong but I just wasn't mentally prepared for then that week in between of like limbo of hope and so Terrible. literally it was our, our yeah. first wedding anniversary actually that week. At this point, we're already to the end of April. And um, and then a few days later we had that second scan and it showed no growth and no heartbeat. And um my doctor was so great though, she did let my husband come in the room 
and for us to talk about our options and stuff. And I was just in so much like shock and it was just so traumatizing the whole like ultrasound and not my husband not being in there and just this news that I immediately decided that we would go with the DNC because I just couldn't fathom like I don't know how long this is going to take my body you know like one of the options being like just wait it out and I was like absolutely not I can't like when it's the first time you kind of are just like I need to get this over with as awful as that sounds because now looking back I'm like no I can relate every minute with that baby because to you that baby is still so very alive and real um especially with your symptoms because your symptoms don't go away right so um I so we went with that went for with the DNC the very next day um and so at that point that was May 1st of 2020 so then went through the whole process of like the the healing and recovery from that um I was just very much I mean, depressed and grief stricken. Um, I remember like just sitting in the shower one day, like from the therapist perspective, um, I took like a week or so maybe off. At this point, I'm also at least doing telehealth because the pandemic is still um, going on. So that was positive. But like, I just remember sitting in the shower crying my and, and, and thinking like, I can't go be a therapist and help other people today. Like I just humanly can't do that yeah um so it was just that summer and and not having the coping skills that I normally have like you I couldn't just walk out the house and go to Target and you know or or go grab a drink with my girlfriends like to help me to distract and cope with this and um so many people I told like didn't get it and didn't understand and it's not like they were seeing me you know firsthand and seeing what I was going through so it really put a rift and a lot of my friendships, you know, um, it was just, and I didn't have access to all those coping skills that I normally had. So it was just really, really hard. Um, basically once I was like kind of physically healed, so I like dove right back into yoga and like, you know, after that, you're like, I've got to get pregnant again, right away. And so I, you know, tried to do all the things um, yeah. when I had like the Ava bracelet and I was tracking my temperature and I was, I think know, that's when I, we connected because my first miscarriage was also May of 2020. And I think we both were like, okay, we, what we have to get pregnant again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then, um, and I just remember because one of the things I wrote some notes down before we started, yeah. I, one of the first times I did yoga again after my first miscarriage, it felt like this, the analogy I always use is it felt like a wet towel being wrung out. Like every movement I was doing with my body, it was just releasing all of this trauma and emotion. And I have like chills talking about it because I just was so emotional. And like that mind body connection is so crazy and real. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. Especially when going through something as, as physical, I don't know. I don't think there's a not obviously trauma, but miscarriage is so like the interconnection between emotional and physical is just 
And I want, if we can talk about it later when we kind of, I want to like hear the rest of your story. I'm really interested in your thoughts. I kind of heard you say it earlier on like postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety with miscarriage, because I've definitely experienced that. It's very, very real. And I've had friends reach out and say like, I'm in a deep, deep depression. I know I was only eight or nine weeks pregnant, but like, is this normal? So I'd love to touch on that later. Like I want to hear kind of your story, but I think that'd be really important for listeners and even for myself to kind of hear your perspective on. Yeah, for sure. Well, and because um, I guess we haven't necessarily, I do have my miracle baby. Um, she is napping right now, um, but she just turned one last week. Um, but my postpartum anxiety is real bad. So yeah, I definitely yeah. want to touch on that. Yeah. Um, so, so then fast forward. So August, I basically, my husband and I were like, we've got to get away. We take, we do one of those tiny cabins because the world's still pretty much shut down. <laughs> um, what a, with our two dogs, what an experience that was. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. I also had like signed up to do my first prenatal yoga teacher training at this point. Um, so I was just diving into all the things. And, um, but right after we got back from our trip, I did find out I was pregnant for the second time. At this point, though, at least when I call the doctor to tell them they like get me in, I think I was probably right around like five or so weeks. Um, so pr- fairly early. Um, and at the scan again, we find out that there's no fetal pole. Um, and so um, I want to say at least I hate the phrase at least, but at least we caught it like early. Um and so again, I had to wait for a second stand, a scan just to confirm everything. And so then by mid-September, um, that pregnancy ended again. Um, I originally was like, I don't want to do a DNC again because I was so scared of scarring at this point and like what it could mean for later pregnancies. Um, so I opted to do the medication, but when we picked it up, I literally had a full-blown panic attack and could not fathom taking it. Like, I'm like, I can't physically do this. I'm really glad. Yeah. I don't, it sounds like you didn't take it. I'm really glad you didn't. I mean, that was the worst. Yeah. I did not take it. I ended up calling my doctor and she scheduled a DNC the next day. So I had my second DNC, um, and Um, unfortunately though, then my doctor like had gone on, um, I think she had actually complications with a pregnancy and I didn't even know it, but she was like on a medical leave. And then, so at this point, my husband and I were like, okay, September. So we're going to take the next three months to like physically and emotionally, um, heal. And in the meantime, we'll find a fertility clinic to do testing and stuff like that. Um, but um, I went, I, I don't know. I forget what it was. I, I think that my doctor was trying to track my, um, HCG, um, my pregnancy hormone levels, um, and they weren't going down like they thought. So it was a whole long, like month long drawn out saga where I ended up having to take the medication anyways. Oh um, no. <laughs> I never even did anything. I didn't even like cramp. Wow. Yeah. And then I think I ended up having to get a scan and they couldn't find anything. And so it was just the most bizarre situation. But just like, it's like dragging it out, which I'm sure the trauma and not alone is just like, 
intense and triggering constantly, I'm sure. Oh yeah. And this, at this point, October, 2020, I was pretty depressed. I was having really dark thoughts. I was, um, I was having more panic attacks. I literally had to call my husband one time and he had to come home from work and he was like on the phone with me and he could just hear me basically like hyperventilating. Um, and, um, so no, I man, at say, this point, were you seeing anyone yourself? Because I feel like yes. you heard, oh, that's important to counselor. know. I have had a therapist actually since 2017. Okay. So thanks. You were actively seeing someone. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. I should have started luck with that. I don't know if I would have made it through any of this if I didn't already have a therapist. And like uh-huh. Catherine said earlier, it was so hard to find one. At one point, I did think I needed to find someone who specialized in it. But the hard part is once someone knows your story, I did think there was such a huge benefit in continuing with her because she knew my past and why I was having the reactions I was having. Uh-huh. And she kind of knew you prior to your state of, of so like anxiety, done. depression after the event. So it was probably much, not easier. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Right. But another human note, I was finding so many like of my clients kind of triggering if they were parents themselves and things. Um, and so I unfortunately did have to, I, I did, I did have to terminate with some clients who I just, for myself, I couldn't work with at that time. I think that's really important to know. And what I kind of want to bring to this talk today is that therapists are human too. Like we go through anxiety, depression, trauma, and, and we can always like take on and, and take off our, our therapist hat. Like this is so eye-opening to me. Like that is so, I mean, I didn't even think about that, but of course, like I didn't even want to be around anybody that had kids. So not, so yet alone, like working them through their own crap where like probably their kids were part of that. You were like, I want to have nothing to do with this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I remember this because I was working in the school system and one of my students got pregnant and she like, didn't want the pregnancy and all this. And I literally had to walk out and remove myself because I couldn't, I literally was yeah. like, I'll adopt your child. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I can't I say. So I didn't say that. <laughs> right. Like, and, and don't get me wrong. We're all still allowed. We're still allowed to complain about pregnancy. We're still allowed to like complain about motherhood. You know, don't get me wrong. I still send some funny memes and, and videos and stuff to my other mom friends, but there are still certain things that are so triggering to me. Like, especially this time of year, like all the, like all mama wants is the silent night and stuff. I hate that phrase because I would give at that time, I would give anything to not have a silent night. Like I get it now. I know it's just a joke. And I, and I get that, like, I get the sentiment. Trust me. I, don't sleep well. <laughs> My daughter is one and we still have sleep trouble, troubles, but I, I just can't bring myself to ever say something like that because because you're in the thick of it and you so desperately want a child. And so you would do anything to, you know, have that child. So right. I think so, so many sh- people can relate to that. Yeah. And so to hear these other parents like struggling with their parent issues, they're allowed to have those totally, but it's just still so it, it, when you're in it, you just can't fathom what they're going through and you can't relate. And so to some extent that is like, I'm not saying therapists need to know like everything, have experienced everything that their clients have, but 
in some ways okay. it is yeah. it is it helpful. So helpful, yeah. yeah. And we get triggered too. So yeah. okay, so you've had the second loss. It's still pretty high COVID season. You can't use your coping yeah. skills, and you guys are going to the fertility clinic, and then yes. really. Want it. Yeah. Well, and not even that, like, I, I think I might've told you this before, but we had such an issue finding a fertility clinic. One guy like straight up was like, you need to do stress management and, you know, and basically like kind of dismiss our losses. And I was like, and put it on, it sounds like put it on I'm you. I'm a therapist and a yoga teacher. I know breathing techniques, you know, You're like, that is not it. <laughs> that is not it. Um, I had one fertility clinic that was super unorganized like I showed up for an appointment and they were like what we don't have you for like two weeks and I was like no, no you definitely okay. um so then finally we found our clinic in December <laughs> we started there in December so a year after we started trying and I went through all my like 15 vials of blood for recurrent loss and um January, I think January was something too. Beginning of February, I had my like um, HSG and hysteroscopy and things of that nature to check to make sure anatomically everything was okay, um, which everything was good there. Um, but basically I did get diagnosed with PCOS. Um, and so that was kind of like the reasoning between, you know, why I was getting pregnant so easily. I had all of these eggs, but they were just really crappy eggs. And so, um, so we came up with a game plan and in March of 2021, I was given the green light to, um, for us to do our first cycle. We did a first, a medicated cycle with letrozole, a trigger shot. I had been on steroids. Um, I was on metformin, um, so all the things and um, that cycle worked. I was like mind blown. I remember in that two week wait, I actually have a picture of me holding my dog, like just tears streaming down, tears streaming down my face because I didn't think it worked at all. I was like literally convinced it didn't work. And um, lo and behold, our little rainbow, double rainbow baby is here today um, because of that medicated cycle. So oh, that's awesome. You so rarely hear that medicated cycles work. So I love that that's yeah. your story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, there was some, at this point, I had already obviously kind of been posting in the infertility community and everything. And I did feel like so much kind of like just guilt that it did work for me and it did work the first time. Like there's just so much shame sometimes around like, oh, I didn't struggle enough because, you know, I mean, hell, anybody that has a miscarriage has gone through more than they should ever have to go through. Yeah. 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 So, um, at this point now though, my anxiety is so high. Um, oh my gosh, was I drinking enough water? Like just, all the most kind of ridiculous things. I saw another post recently about how many times a day you're checking to see if you're bleeding every time you go to the bath yep. bathroom. And at one point around like eight weeks, I had um, an SCH. Um, I'm always the worst at like the That's sub- like subcortomic hematoma. Yes. Yeah. Um, I had to go to the ER one night because of bleeding. And that was like right, that was like Mother's Day weekend. And also mind you, that was so May 1st ended up being like the date of my first DNC. It also was our second baby's due date. Mm-hmm. And then now, right in May, I'm going through this bleeding 
with our third pregnancy, I went through that whole Mother's Day weekend thinking like I was losing my baby. Um, So I was on bed rest for that. So the pregnancy was not easy by any means. I ended up going to um, uh, maternal fetal medicine. Um, She was measuring small. Um, What else? Um, I was worried at one point that I was... uh, at risk, like because of my cervix. Um, so all sorts of, <laughs> just all sorts of things. I can't even think, oh, she, what was the other one? There was one other one and I can't remember. No, well, I not can't even, remember. Yeah, like not even to mention like the true issues, but just pregnancy after loss in general. Like even if the pregnancy is perfect with like no right. complications, it's so anxiety oh. producing. What is the... The, the what the, oh placenta previa that's what it is okay so I had wow. that too for a little while and that was also why I was at the MFM so just talk about anxiety provoking like already your anxiety is so high after pregnant after loss but then you're going through you're getting all these different kind of like diagnoses and stuff and so um some of the things though I obviously was still in therapy at the like throughout pregnancy thankfully um I was journaling. I would say I had um, I had a pregnancy after loss actual journal. Um, oh, that's so nice. That's really smart. Yeah, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Zoe, like Adele, uh, Zoe. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like you would know Zoe. It starts with a C. The girl. Um, oh my gosh, y'all. She's in talking. like England, and she's like an author about. Um, I had read her book loss. on like baby loss and stuff. Um, yeah, I totally link it though, because I think that would be so helpful. I yeah, will. so I was using that, but also what was really helpful was um, even more so that was just journaling. I would journal to my baby and I would journal to my body because at this point it was just so hard, you know, like to believe in my body. I was like using affirmations I on all the post-its that. all over the, my mirror, um, just really like believing in your body that it's going to do what it's supposed to do at this point is mm-hmm. just so hard. Um, it took me a while, but I did get back into yoga for, after my second loss, I like actually, I don't know how to ghosted yoga. Like I had been such a huge yogi. And then finally, almost like halfway through my pregnancy, I started going back to prenatal yoga. Um, but I would only go in person. Like I would, I, even though I was a yoga teacher, I was so afraid of doing yoga on my own at home because like what if I, you know, was doing uh-huh. something wrong? Something what if? Yeah. Um, meditation was huge for me too. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Expectful app. It's like no. a, yeah, it's a meditation app for like trying to conceive and pregnancy. And they actually had like a um, kind of like rainbow pregnancy journey one. So, so fun. It was so great. Oh, and acupuncture. I will (laughs) sing the praises of acupuncture. Um, So those things were definitely, and the infertility community, especially like there was actually quite a few mamas like pregnant during the time that I was. Um, So that was really helpful too, um, staying connected to them and and talking and not, you know, because other people just didn't necessarily get why my anxiety was so high, why I peed on a hundred sticks, you know, the first month of pregnancy or, 
Yeah, a lot of people are like, aren't you excited? You're pregnant. And it's like, yeah, but I've been pregnant before. Like, I don't just have this idea of like a perfect out. Like pregnancy does not equal a baby after right. you've gone through loss. Exactly. Like, so it was always like, okay, second trimester, 20 weeks. And, you know, um, but you're always waiting like, to get to the next milestone. Like you're never yeah. just like, okay, I'm good. Like I felt that so much throughout my whole pregnancy. Right. What the, the whole holding your breath for nine months is totally... Yeah totally what it was. So, um, you know, and, and so, yeah, so that was kind of pregnancy in a nutshell. She ended up being breech. Um, and so, um, that was a whole nother challenge. Like my placenta previa resolved, but then she was breached. Oh, um, no. <laughs> I will say something else that totally happened, totally helped though, was, um, just having a supportive, um, like professional team. Like I ended up getting a doula, even though she was breached, even though I had placenta previa when we hired her, I knew even if I had a C-section, like I needed someone there for support, um, and to advocate for me because it's like exhausting advocating for yourself in medical settings so much. Um, and it's just like, we all know all these things. Like I remember going in one time and my, it wasn't my normal OB, but I was like, I need a non-stress test. <laughs> like, and they're yeah. like, what? Like, why are like, you, why do you, you know, you know what that is? And I'm like, because I know all the things. They're like, all I do is research this. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So, and then lo and behold, um, we, so we had to schedule a C-section, um, and my water broke a week before my scheduled C-section. So oh my gosh, stop. Yeah. So, and fun fact, if your baby's breached, there's nothing blocking. So it is like very movie-esque of water just everywhere. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Wait, we were you like water. at home or were you, where yes, were you? I was getting water from our fridge and then all oh, of a sudden a, no. a gush of water and my husband, and it was so funny, like funny, not funny. <laughs> that morning I had been swelling really bad. So I made my husband go up to the grocery store with me to like, take my blood pressure with one of those like, oh, yes. machines. Yeah. Um, and while we were there, we're like, Oh, like it's our last Sunday. Like my C-section was scheduled for the next Sunday. So it's like, it's our last Sunday. Like let's pick up some steaks and grill out and watch football and have our last Sunday. <laughs> and so we, you know, we're ready. We were just hanging out. I was doing laundry. I felt this weird pain before my water broke. And I was like, oh, that's weird. But then I just kept going. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, honey, I think my water just broke. <laughs> oh my gosh. How I far did... along were you? I was 38 weeks exact, like in one day. Oh my gosh. So I feel like we would have to do another podcast for this because I have so many <laughs> questions. But like, so if your well, I know the answer. If your water breaks breach, it's pretty much it's kind of the same. But you guys have to get to the hospital, and you're still gonna have a C-section, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily become an emergency C-section, which so yes, a whole nother <laughs> podcast. But, um, I was freaking out because I was like, oh my god, like what if there's bacteria? Like obviously my anxiety ramps up again. Like something's gonna happen to this baby. My doula was out of town. My OB was out of town. Oh my gosh. Life um, off. Wow. Yeah. So then I, so we go to the hospital and I had had Panera soup at 2.30 and I made the mistake of telling them. And so they don't want to do my C-section until like 10 o'clock at night. 
So it was not an emergency C-section. I sat there and went in labor. Yeah, did you, yeah, we don't have to get into it, but my water broke also um, spontaneously and I was in the hospital, thank God, because that's like number one, terrifying, um, especially if you're not in the hospital and then the pain is, that's when the pain kicks in too. Oh yeah. my gosh, I can't even imagine. My yeah. water broke. So God, just sitting there in labor <laughs> knowing I still had to get a C-section and like it was just- yeah. Just waiting. Yeah. So, so she was born at 11, 12. <laughs> Stop. Beautiful. Yeah. And then so, so, so skip forward my anxiety, not even skip forward. I would say 24 hours. I was already having intrusive thoughts in the hospital. Um, so that first month was so rough for me. Um, and my anxiety, the baby blues were so bad. I just remember crying. I just remember wanting to be pregnant still. Almost. Like, it's not even that I didn't want her here, but I just missed being pregnant. Um, my hormones and emotions were just all over the place. Um, she was actually born with hip dysplasia because she was breech. Um, and so we would, we had to go to appointments like back at the hospital for that. And, um, I wouldn't get on the elevator with her because people kept getting on the elevator and we sat there for like five, 10 minutes and we got on the elevator because no one was getting on it with us. And then we went a floor down and someone got on the elevator and I had a panic attack. Because of like germs and stuff? Nervous. And then, um, and then I would say, I don't know what it was. There ended up being a doctor's appointment that for some reason my husband couldn't go to. And my first time driving with her alone, I had a panic attack. Me too. Um, I, I so appreciate I you saying this because I feel like so many women have these thoughts, but no one like actually talks about it. Like we don't say yeah. how we're freaking out, but like just being in the car driving, like that's huge. That's yeah. I, I was, uh, thankfully I was on the phone with my husband at the, like, you know, through the Bluetooth, like he was like talking me through getting to her, to the pediatrician's office. Mm-hmm. Um, And I will say like having the courage to tell like my husband and like two of my close mom friends about my intrusive thoughts were so helpful because I feel like when you give them a, like not give them a voice, but like when you speak them out into existence, like it takes away some of their power, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because they're just so dark and scary. You think something's wrong with you. Like, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and so before this, I didn't never know like what intrusive thoughts were like or anything. Um, so I will admit that at my six weeks appointment, I asked my doctor for something and I've been on Lexapro ever since. So almost a whole year now. Um, and I was never like against medication or anything as a therapist, but I always was just kind of like, you know, I mean, I know evidence-based as a therapist that a combination between medication and therapy is what helps like mood disorders the most, but I just was like, I wasn't as opposed to it, but I kind of, I take more of a holistic approach in my, you know, in my practice being a, a yoga teacher as well and stuff. So, um, I feel like it kind of took a lot for me to, to get to that point, but I just knew I needed to be the best mom for her. I love that we're talking about this. I, yeah, I have so many friends that, you know, took that route and I never understood it either until like even day two, taking the, taking your daughter or, or son to the day two doctors at the pediatrician and they make you fill out the Edinburgh depression screening. Yeah. 
And I'm like answering some of these questions, like bawling my eyes out. I'm like, I, I never, cause I work in OBGYN. So I get, I've given that survey out my whole life. And I'm like, yeah. I never thought I would answer yes to some of these questions. And you're like, what is happening? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this needs to be talked about so much more. Like it's just nothing, nothing prepares you, especially then like, thank it's just such a unique thing too, like going through infertility and loss to get there. You're like, I, I shouldn't be having these thoughts. I mean, the anxiety makes sense. Obviously it's like, oh my God, I have this first side baby finally. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I need to keep her alive. Like exactly. I don't want to drop her on the concrete. I don't want to get in a car accident. Like all of these things. I don't want her to get sick from germs in the elevator. Like it's just. And I so think scary. so many and I'm not trying to make like a blanket statement, but just talking to some of my friends who did not struggle with fertility issues. Like I have talked about so many times how like, I am not excited to have a newborn again. And I know that sounds bad, but like, it's just because I'm so scared that something's going to happen. Like I'm just petrified and they can't relate to that. Of course, they don't want anything happening to their baby, but I think Mm -hmm. it's so much heightened when you do struggle with fertility because you work so hard to get to that point. And then, I mean, like every single day I thought Ben was going to die literally every day. And you, and you have had the bad thing that you were worried about happening. This could happen because I have lost children before. Yeah. That's really good point. And the the craziest thing to me was how fast it happened. Like I said, I was in the hospital and already having intrusive thoughts. And I was like, Uh, what? Like I should be on cloud nine and I'm sitting here terrified to hold my baby like yeah so so you got on the Lexapro and did that was that pretty and obviously you're still going to your therapist was that a pretty good fix for you or I don't want to say the word fix but you know what I mean yeah no it definitely I could function like I could drive her in the car like I could be her mom I think a lot of it I mean at that point my husband had gone back to work it just it took a lot of almost like I don't know I don't want to like exposure therapy like the more you did it the more you know you got comfortable and confident in your mom skills basically you know like at this point I'm like home alone with her every day and you know I almost and still to this day sometimes I still like on our days where it's just me and her and we're in our routine at home that's when I feel most like comfortable and confident and we're kind of like in our groove and it goes smoothly um still like certain things will, you know, definitely heighten my anxiety still here. (laughs) And then she starts daycare next month. So I already (laughs) have quite a bit of anxiety about that. So (laughs) I can imagine. So like, it sounds like you kind of figured out what works for you. So, and you've, you've recommended, which I want to get the links for you. Did you say it was the expectful app? Is that what you Yes. Mm -hmm. So that was helpful. Like, do you, so what would you, I guess, like from a therapist perspective, how would, what would you recommend to some listeners that are either going through this postpartum or about to have a baby or going through the infertility journey and like just wanting to get some information to prepare themselves for? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think kind of like we said, having someone, a therapist, um, a support system. Um, I mentioned like my training through postpartum support international. They also like, we can link it somehow too, is they have like support groups as well. Um, 
for loss. They have it for um, postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, um, postpartum OCD. Um, so that's even like more. I did I did some research on that when I was having my intrusive thoughts. I was like, oh my gosh, is this what I have too? Wait, um, I don't want to interrupt you, but that's so interesting. So after each one of my miscarriages, I felt like um, like the OCD part was like really heavy for me. Like I was because I think mm-hmm. it was like I could control these things. Yes. Like I need to check off all these things. And I realized I was becoming very obsessive with certain tasks. And I, and I just attributed that back to what I could control it. Yeah. It's probably a mixture of the boat of both, you know, cause I definitely always think I always bring things back to like, this is what I can control right now. Mm-hmm. Like if it was I like, I wanted everything spotless or I like went on this crazy, like nutrition thing or a crazy fitness thing. Right. And it was like, became very obsessive. Yeah. And I know that's not OCD, but you know, just those oh, types right. of behavior. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think there's a connection there. That's I'm sorry crazy. to interrupt, but I Yeah. That was not something I had thought of, you know, you hear so much about postpartum depression and, but you don't hear about these other ones, you know, like there's, when I did my training, they even talked about postpartum psychosis and like, you know, those are, I feel terrible. Like those are women who like end up taking their own lives or their baby's lives or things. I mean, just the mental, the maternal mental health stuff that's out there is just so in any of your like training or your own experience, did you, is there anything that touches on like all this postpartum stuff after miscarriage? Like, I just feel like I struggle with that really hard. No, I, not really. I don't think that one's as talked about did, whatsoever. Did you, it's usually, it's like, oh, you have a living baby. That's postpartum. Exactly. Um, either one of Amanda's, <laughs> since we have two Amanda's, did either yeah. of you guys go through that? I mean, I feel like I have a lot of people reach out to me and say, is it normal to be feeling like X, Y, Z? You know, I, I've just had a miscarriage. I didn't ha- like have a live baby. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Because you had the same hormones oh, in absolutely. you and mm-hmm. now you don't. Yeah. Oh, I think I, I struggled really hard, definitely with depression right after. And I think even more so like the postpartum, usually you'll go through and then you have your child. So then it's like, you're hitting it like twice because you're like, okay, I'm going through postpartum, but like, I then don't have a baby. So then I'm also struggling through the grief part of that. So it's just like a double whammy. That's just making so much more worse for you. Yeah. Exactly. How it was for sure. Yeah. That's exactly how it was for me too. And it's just not talked about, like, it really isn't. They just then, I think so many people just, they were like, okay, well, you had a miscarriage. It's one in four. It's common. Like, okay, just keep trying. Right. Hopefully your live baby comes soon kind of thing. And so it's just not the mental health side. is just not as important, which is so sad and frustrating. So we're so thankful that you're here even just to talk Mm -hmm. about this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully. And I guess, so the only other thing I kind of had jotted down was just like, also just like going through the trick, you know, I, as a therapist, you're going through all the other same old triggers of, you know, announcements and things of that nature, like that's, or even how it still like can be triggering, even when you are pregnant with your rainbow baby, or you are, you do have a, you know, and now you start seeing pregnancy number two announcements or things of that nature. Um, yeah, still human and still going through those triggers and maybe it's not as intense as it was like it doesn't elicit like the same emotional response as it did when I was going through our struggles but it's all still there and yeah 
Well, I want to link all of the things with you. Your, um, we will link your, would it be helpful to link your practice? I mean, do you have yeah. any virtual options? I, or all- I do. Okay. Yeah. I mean, for, for folks in the state of Florida, since I'm licensed in Florida, so yes. um, I am, I do virtual still. And then I see folks in the central Florida area in person as well. Um, and I do also have a, a blog. Um, I even put up um my most recent one is about infertility during the holidays. Oh, so, so cool. Um, oh, okay. we'll definitely link that. That sounds yeah. Cool. Yeah, I know. And I know this won't all go live till the new year, but we'll go ahead and shoot yeah. that out for listeners so that oh. they can listen to it. But I think that's so, yeah. so helpful because this is like one of the hardest times, I think, oh, for anybody. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And even just, especially going through loss, like I had little stockings for my babies. And, you know, so just trying to find comfort. I remember I totally like deleted social media apps. Um, I, I had my husband open the mail and like, sorry, but throw away the Christmas cards. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, that's like, family. No, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that you don't really think about, but it's like, I don't want that Christmas card. I'm not hanging out. I don't want to see your dream. family. Yeah, I don't want to see your family. <laughs> No, that sounds terrible, but well, I put it, I put in my blog, it's like the one thing that like, you see all these happy families and it's like the one thing you're living without is this yeah. living child. So, it's so really yeah. cool. Well, thanks, Amanda. Um, it's yeah. like kind of wrapped up a lot of the stuff. Is there anything else that you kind of want to leave, leave listeners with that you've learned from your journey and your practice? Um, just like that all feelings are, are valid, like whatever it is you're going through. I mean, even folks who maybe don't have the huge emotional response that kind of the three of us have experienced going through um, infertility and loss um, or maybe haven't had the postpartum struggles we have, you know, I think all of it is valid. There's a space for all of it. Um, you can feel grief and joy. It's that and, right? Like feeling two emotions at once. Um, I think, especially once you have your living rainbow, like that is so complicated as well, realizing, you know, hitting these milestones and and thinking about the babies that you didn't get to experience these milestones with. Um, So it's just really complex. I just realized how complicated and and complex it all really is. And um, I do think, you know, I'm not one for everything happens for a reason, but I do think it definitely made me a better therapist um, and being able to really sit with people in these like dark parts of their life that other people kind of are uncomfortable with or shy away from. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much. That was so beautifully said and we're so grateful that you were on and just to share your whole